Oh. Hey there, traveler. Welcome back to the end of the seven dice. Hope you're doing all right. Yeah, things are looking pretty good. That weather's turning around. Everything's getting real pretty out there. The snow is melted. Man, I am just ready to go for a walk. Oh, looks like old wing over over there is just waiting for you. Catch you later. Ah, yes, greetings there, travelers. It is I, Wing Over Gimbal, famous name Bard. You're probably thinking to yourself, Well, Wing Over, this story is getting a little crazy. What is going on? And I have to tell you, it is getting good. Today's episode particularly, oh, it's going to knock those socks off of yours. You're going to be like, where the hell are my socks? And that's going to be due to this episode. I'm telling you, travelers. So, you know how, like, we had Steve, and then we had my friend Melvin, and I'm just trying to change things up with our, our usual guest from BattleBards? I actually found this strange ethereal wraith. Hello, ethereal wraith. Are you here to give us some good news? Oh. What? Um, no. That's, that's bad. Sorry, Travelers, the Wraith is currently trying to drain the life force from one of the staff. Just one minute. There we go. Alright. Seems like it's restrained. Alright, Wraith. Now, here I am. Uh, to, to speak with dead. Now, Wraith, tell us. What are you offering us from Battle Bards? I am offering you 15% off your subscription. Just go to BattleBards.com. You can find things like Alchemist Lab Ambience or Swamp Ambience. Really like Ambience, huh? Silence. Oh. Right, I'm just gonna... All right. It's time to leave now, Wraith. There. Oh, sorry about that, travelers. <laughs> Bad idea number 34. Whoopsies. Uh, yeah, so, welcome back, travelers. We have another piece of fan mail. And this one, it's another nice one we got here. Let me just unfold it. It says, Adventurous and unique. Five stars. I've been keeping up regularly with the mishaps of this motley crew from the beginning. All I could say is, wow, what a journey. And what a wonderful podcast it has been thus far. Fans of DND, prepare to laugh, be horrified, and follow along a whimsical and epic adventure. That's from Jason underscore three three via the Appel Podcast Canada. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you, Jason underscore thirty three. I wonder if he's an inevitable. Oh, that'd be nice if the people of Mechanus were listening to us. Oh, that'd be so splendid. Hello, Mechanus. So no real announcements today, travelers, other than uh, we got a real good episode for you. So without further ado, uh, why don't we kick this thing off? Hey, I'm Bright, and I'm playing Kalsar, the tiefling paladin. And chosen of the Antifa. Hi, uh, I'm Humberto, and I'm playing Bordon, Dwarven Cleric and Chosen of Time. I'm Evan, and I'm playing Ronnie, 
the Half-Elf Bard and Chosen of Chaos. Hey, I'm Robert, and I'm playing MZ, the Git Yankee Ranger and Chosen Blood. Previously, on Ballad of the Seven Dice, our heroes had encountered some strange things in this mansion. They managed to open up a man's mouth only to find out that there was some stranger lithid abomination that took the place of his brain. After killing that creature, they ventured further only to find out they could not escape this mansion. The walls were closing in. They heard what appeared to be Chenille's voice, and after rushing upstairs, they encountered a mimic, and after slaying that creature, suddenly, there was another sound. I bring you the Lithids Games, Part 5. And just as you're all recovering from that fight, you heard the sound of a dinner bell ringing and And Bordon's mother saying, Dinner's ready! So, did you guys hear that? Yeah, we definitely did. Yeah, so let us just ignore that. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't, I don't believe in anything in this house anymore. So, uh, let us just stick with ourselves. Like, you know, like, keep grouped. Okay. Yeah, let's just ignore those voices, because they're clearly traps. Kelsar, make me a wisdom saving throw. That's 20. So, Kelsar, as you're wiping off this acidic saliva and just trying to get yourself situated, you look up and realize you're seeing exactly what MZ was talking about. There's no lights in here. You've been using your dark vision this entire time. The smell of rotten mildew is in the the air. You look over, you see that the guest bed that was once in this room is disheveled and the sheets are rotting. You look in at the wardrobe, and it is stained, rotted, and the blood of the mimic is all the over the that? floor. What the, f- what the fuck is going on here? Uh, what are you talking about? The, 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 the wallpaper, it's peeling off. It, it's just like what MC said. I, I'm finally seeing it. Okay, I, I believe oh, in you, but like my senses, they are not actually answering, you know, like... There's something, yeah, this... We gotta get out of here. We do, and that's what we're trying to do. We gotta find a way. Do you have dark vision? Yes. Oh, okay. So you're in this guest bedroom, and you hear the dinner bell ring again, and while you guys are talking and ignoring it, the door slams shut, then it opens, and it slams shut again, then it opens. So this room is is a mimic as well, and it is digesting us. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, so guys... I really think we should leave this room, clearly. <laughs> but I just can't understand, like, where should we go now? I don't think we should keep following, you know, those sounds or voices or whatever. What about Imer? I guess. Maybe he knows something about this mansion that we don't. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, there's a back door. There's a back door. It leads out into the gardens. Um, it's near the kitchen. There's also the windows in the bedrooms, off to the walls. 
If we go over there, the dish down the hall, we could try to break those and maybe get out that way. Okay. All our servants always went out the back. There's gates to get out there, and there's the gardens, and it should be a good escape. What do you want to do, guys? Do you want to try finding a window, or do you want to try going out through the back? I think we should always try to find the closest exit, and then if we can't go there, we can go to the next one and the next one, and on and on and on. So which one is the closest one? One of the bedroom windows. Sure. Let's find a window then. It's gotta be in one of those rooms, but we gotta be gotta be more careful. I, I especially myself, I have to be more careful. Okay, yeah, I'll lead the way then. Follow me. And what is your marching order? Who's right behind Imar? Maybe I should be maybe I should be in right behind Imar. Yeah, I can be right in front of him. Yeah, because I could take the most damage, so I'll be at the very back. Maybe, maybe I should be in front of Imar instead of Instead of a front, if there's a frontal attack, I could just take the damage. Yeah, I, I still have to heal you though, right? I'm could leave behind. Because I have 55 HP right now. Yeah, clerics are pretty beefy in this one. And dwarves are pretty beefy as well. I mean, of course, I'm not going to say I have X amount of HP. Yeah, I'll just say. Well, I have 57 health left. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah. J just do whatever. Okay, so who's going in the front? I am. Okay, so Kelsar, as you step into the hallway with Imer, the door slams behind you, leaving MZ, Ronnie, and Bordon in the other room. And you look around, and you two aren't in the hallway. You are in this grand ballroom, and there are these people dancing and laughing. This music's going, and it just seems to be so bright and colorful. There are tables lined up with food and drink. These musicians near the back, near a large window looking into the gardens, are playing this beautiful string music that is setting this mood for the nobility and royalty in this area. And Imar is just looking back and forth, confused. What? What is this? This is not real. You three back at the room, the door slams in front of you, and when it opens back up, Kelsar and Imar are not there. Th this place is insane. And then you hear the bell for dinner. So Kelsar, you're in this ballroom, this grand area, and these people are dancing and laughing, and every so often they turn towards you in just pure disdain. And you see elves and humans and halflings and gnomes, but you don't really see any of the other races here. Um, uh, wh what do we do, Kelsar? There was a ballroom in the mansion, but it was never this big. Sure, we'd have some dances there sometimes, but it was never like this. Hold on, let me think. Oh, this isn't the same layout as... Obviously, something is messing up with us. We... What's the closest room with a window that's connected to the ballroom? You look out, and you see the ballroom has actually very large windows, and they're looking out to the garden at the back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check the window, see if there's like a landing I can get to. I can at least get Imer out. So, Kelsar, you make your way through these crowds of people dancing, and every so often they just sneer at you and go back to talking. And the conversation, you just can't quite hear what they're saying. It's very odd. So you make it to the window, and you're trying to jimmy it open, and suddenly the music stops. You turn around, and suddenly this room is a lot smaller than it was before. It's the ballroom that Imar was describing. There are corpses 
everywhere. All of the contents of their head is removed. They're all in different varying stages of decay. And this room smells horrible. Fuck is happening. Imar turns towards you with one hand up as though he were about to say something and just throws up. All right, you three. So you're hearing this bell go off every so often. So I feel like the house is just separating us, separating this group, because we decided to have this group like all together, but there is a stronger force that forced us to split into two groups. What should we do? I think we should look for Kelsar. What do you guys think? You guys are like better trackers than I am, so... Well, I'm not a better tracker, so... Um, yeah, we can we can look for him, yeah. <laughs> I think we, we should, rather than just like a... Well, since we're not doing anything. Okay, so who who is the best tracker amongst uh, you two guys? MC. Probably me. Okay, so I'll cast Guidance on MZ. That gives me a plus one. 1d4. Uh, 20 altogether. So, MZ, you first try to look for Kelsar's boot prints in this dust that's just coating everything, but you can't really find anything like that. Then you notice when this door's been slamming, it's been kind of making these whooshed marks where the air would go. And following that, you see there's actually ones that are leading further and going downstairs, like as if there was an air current that suddenly passed by really quickly and went downstairs. Okay. I'll tell them to follow me. Okay. Let's just be careful. And I'll follow that sort of messed up dust trail. So you all follow MZ, and you can't see what he's seeing, but he seems very sure. And MZ, this dust trail is the only thing that's making sense to you in this whole goddamn house. Yeah. You keep seeing rooms be repeated while you're going past them. The hallway seems to almost be stretching. You're going through the same places that was taking you towards the kitchen, and you pass by there looking at all the destroyed and broken down cookware. And while you're going, this leads you down another hallway where at the very end of it, there is a set of large, very ornate double doors. And just off to the left-hand side, there's another door that's cracked open just a little bit. And you see some candlelight spilling out into the hallway. And you can hear just the sounds of forks and knives and uh, people eating in there. Which doors do we want to open? Which door... Do you think it's the right one? If the one door is slightly cracked open and we can see light coming from there, can I peek in there to see see what I can see? So you look in there and you see it's a number of dwarves. We're all dressed very finely and strangely resemble closer to Borodon. And they're all just having dinner. I'll whisper to Borodon and Ronnie that there's a bunch of dwarves in this room. So, question. Like, is, is the room ruined? Actually, for the first time in a little bit now, MZ, this room is the only room in this whole house that looks normal. Everything else looks like it's fairly destroyed. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to state the obvious, but that's clearly another illusion. And <sighs> this thing is wearing me out. <sighs> Kelsar, make me a perception check while you're looking at all this horrid mess around you. 14. 
you can hear voices coming through the door at the far side of the room, but you can't tell whose voices they are. Okay. Kelsar, could you open up the window or the door or something? It just, it smells so disgusting in here. Stand back. I'm going to try to blast it open. I'm going to count my sword with fire. Uh, I'm going to slash at the door. Okay, roll me damage. 19 damage total. So you guys are standing there discussing what you're going to be doing next, and you could hear the sound of plated boots coming from those closed doors. And then suddenly the door blows open. And you see Kelsar just standing there. He just finished swinging a few times at this door as these smoking pieces of wood are exploded outward. And the area is now illuminated by the cerulean blue flame that coats Kelsar's blade. With Kelsar's blue light, you look behind him and you see there are corpses all over this room and the contents of their head are removed. And taking a closer look at Kelsar and Imar, they're covered in blood. And MZ, roll me a perception check. I guess I should learn to knock first. <laughs> Got a natural one. Okay, so the door to the dining room suddenly slams shut. And MZ, you didn't notice anything else other than that. You're too distracted by Kelsar blowing up the door. Kelsar, did you kill all these? I mean, probably not, but did you kill all of these people? Because you, you guys are drenched in blood. No, Baradon. Killing innocent people is my least favorite thing to do. Well, I don't know what happened in there, right? And uh, does that mean that they were innocent? So that's why I'm asking. Yes, Baradon. I decapitated all these people and I ate their brains. What do you think happened? I, I, what do you think happened? I didn't do this. It could be zombies. I don't... How could I do this in such a short amount of time? That's the thing. We, like, our perceptions are all messed up. I don't know if we walked, like, five minutes or two hours. That's the thing. It's not like a stupid... Run on, I'm a paladin. Why would I do this? Because they could be zombies. I don't know what they were. Or, like, the groups, like, split it up, so I don't know. I mean, it's not a stupid question. It's literally a sanity check. I didn't do any of this, Vordon. Okay. Fine. Sanity check. You hear the bell once more go for dinner, and the door cracks open. But this time, there's no candlelight. I'll, uh, creak the door open. MZ, as you push the door open a bit, you look in, and you see this dining room that you were all once in. But all the silverware is tarnished. Everything looks like it's just falling apart. The table is leaning precariously off to its side. The plates have been cracked that are sitting on the table. A lot of rotted food is on this table as well, and it looks like it was partially eaten. You look around, and you see a lot of those dust spores sailing around, and you see a figure standing by some windows. They're about seven or eight feet tall. They're wearing this black, long cloak. And you hear this voice in your head suddenly say, Do come in. Is it that same voice? Yep. I'll come in. So you guys see MZ just walk into this room. What do you guys do? Swallow. Yeah. Yeah, I'll follow him. 
So you guys walk in and the door slams shut behind you and you hear it lock and the figure slowly turns around. All right, you son of a bitch. Was it you that put us in here? So as they turn around, you see this figure has this purpley, oily skin and long tentacles coming from their face. And you hear this voice in all of your heads. Why, yes, that was me. I attack. And I need everyone to give me initiative. Two. Eleven. Twenty. Nineteen. MZ, one thing you notice as it turned around, the number two was stitched in to the chest of its jacket. The last one was number four, right? Or something? Uh, thirteen or fourteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, thirteen. Okay, thirteen. But you see this creature holds out its hand, and this energy starts flowing around it. And MZ, you need to make a strength saving throw. Ten. So MZ, this creature just swishes its hand really nonchalantly, and you feel yourself lift up into the air very slowly. And then at this very fast speed, you go flying, and you just slam into one of the walls, taking eight points of damage. MZ! Shit. Ronnie, here go. Um, I'll scream out, don't let it grab you. Yeah, uh, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna throw on some, uh, invisibility. Love it. So, Ronnie, what instrument are you using to go invisible? Uh, chimes. Like, like wind chimes? Like the doodly doo, like, like, uh, no, like a, a rack or whatever, a chimes, yeah. Push a brush against it and it goes. So you see this rack of chimes all form up, and Ronnie just swishes a brush across it, and this gentle chime just sends Ronnie into the realm of invisibility. I'm uh, gonna try and get behind the mind flare. All right, make me a stealth check with advantage. Okay, 24 and 18. 24. So, Ronnie, you are absolutely silent. You are hopping from place to place, and you just skid behind this mind flare and crouch down, and the thing doesn't even seem to have noticed you. We go to MZ. MZ, you are hanging in the air, just sort of floating a little bit. You feel the control over your body, and your head is just still kind of shaking as you were just flung into that wall. I'm still in the air. You can make a strength check to try to break out of the spell if you'd like. Sure. Uh, shit, six. Yeah, you are trying to grab onto something and just pull yourself away, but you just can't seem to manage it. Is there any other action you'd like to do? I don't think there's anything I can really do at this moment. Do you just want to hold your action until maybe the spell gets cancelled and you can act? Sure. Okay. So you're looking over at this mind flare, and he's staring at you, just amused, and you all hear in your heads, They told me to wait. And I said, why? What's the threat? And it goes to Borodon. Okay, so I'll cast Hold Person on him. Sure. Is that a wisdom saving throw? Yeah. Wisdom saving throw. What's the DC? Okay, so it would be 15. So you hold on to your holy symbol and you grip forward as if you were grabbing onto him and you concentrate and feel your magic go, it reaches out, latches on, and just washes over him. Shit. And then you all hear, Your god will have to try harder than that. And then it goes to Kelsar. My sword's still on fire, right? 
You betcha. I'm gonna run up and I'm gonna cut the sum of the fish to pieces. Alright, roll them hits. 25 total. That's a hit. Oh, and then that 20. Roll me some percentage. Uh, 20. Alright, that's just a standard critical. We have not been able to make it past that mark. Well, I guess the first hit be 5. And then for the second hit, it would be 14. 5, 14, and then plus 8 with my fire sword. So you give this mind flare the what for? <laughs> oh, this feels good. Oh, you're going down, you you tentacled freak. Each of your slashes <laughs> just connects <laughs> this creature. And you see the pain in its face as it's still trying to hold on to the spell with Enzu. <laughs> my god could do a lot better. Then we'll have to remove them. Wait, what? It is now his go. MZ, make me a strength check. A six. So you feel this energy grip around you as suddenly you slam into the roof and then you slam into the ground and go back up into the air and you take 10 points of damage. Shit. And Kelsar, he then turns towards you and you see this energy start crackling around his hands and I need you to make me a dexterity saving throw. I have 13. Kelsar, you take 35 points of damage ah! and suddenly lightning shoots out of his hands, slamming you into the chest and it knocks you off your feet as you feel this pain burst right through you. And all of you can smell the smell of sizzling meat. And then he turns away from Kelsar as though he were no more than a pest and focuses back on MZ. And it goes to Ronnie. Uh, so I'm still kind of behind him. Really move. Yeah, you're behind him. He doesn't think he's in danger. I'm going to stab him. All right, roll to hit with advantage. 11. Oh, man, that's with advantage? Yeah, first one's a five. All this fucking setup. So you go in and you stab forward. Suddenly your blade materializing as well as the rest of you. And he just turns ever so slightly to the side and your blade just misses him. He looks back at you for one moment and then looks forward back at MC as if not even caring that you're there. You still have your movement if you want to get out of there. Uh, I'm still invisible, right? Or does that wear off once I attack? Yeah, you become visible anytime you attack or cast a spell. Okay, yeah. Okay, then I'm going to scamper away uh, behind Bordon. Okay, so you scamper away and he doesn't even pay attention to you. He's just hungrily staring at MC. And you all hear in their head, The heretic of blood shall be no more. I shall bring an end to him, and our mother shall awaken our father and drown these lands in the waters of the deep. And Enzi, it is your go. You can make another strength check if you'd like. 17? Yup, you're out. You just fall to the ground in all fours. Finally. He looks mildly annoyed. I am going to cast Zephyr Strike. That sounds cool. What's that do? says, uh, for the duration, uh, my movement does not provoke opportunity attacks. Before the spell ends, I can give myself advantage on one weapon attack roll. 
Uh, that attack deals an extra 1d8 force damage. Hit or miss. Uh, my walking speed increase is increased by 30 feet until the end of that turn. That's really cool. Like, bolsters you up hardcore. Yeah, I'm going to move really quickly to him. And then uh, I'm going to try to hit him. And on my lowest roll, if I miss any, then I'll use my advantage. So first attack is a 9. I'm going to use my advantage. Okay. Fuck, a 9 again. My second attack. 23. That's a hit. I did 12 points of damage. One point of it was force damage. So you rush forward at surreal speeds, and you bring your one bladed, but he catches your wrist almost as if he was waiting for it, like he knows the Githyanki fighting style. But what he didn't expect is your open palm to suddenly spring forward another blade of blood, and you cut across him, and this inky blood just starts spilling out, and you hear in your head, Well, you're full of surprises, aren't you? I can't wait to get into that head of yours. And it goes to Borodon. When he is casting the spells, is he vocalizing them? He doesn't seem to be. Shit. Although you notice sometimes whenever he's casting a spell, he'll not only move his hands, but he'll also move his tentacles. So probably silence wouldn't do anything. You could try it. Yeah, I could and lose my turn. So no. So I'll cure Kelsar with cure wounds. So it, I'll use like a, a third level slot for that. So it's going to heal, yeah, 13 plus 4, so 17. Get up and fight Kelsar. Kelsar, this warm energy goes over you and you feel better. It still hurts, but it's a lot better than before. You know, I just, I see MZ able to damage the Mind Flare, so I'm going to cast... Uh... Double shield protection on him, which will um, which will increase his AC by two. Nice. Light of the Ibiza, protect him. So my temporary AC is a uh, 17 now. Nice. So Kalsar, you hold out your hand and you say this, and this brilliant cerulean blue shield with these flames coating around it just stands in front of MZ. And MZ, you feel this protection coming from it as it now goes to the monster's turn. So this mind flare just looks annoyed. There's blood coming down. It's now getting surrounded. You guys are starting to bolster yourselves. And it does this echoing shriek, and you feel the air ripple. And I need everyone to make me intelligence saving throws. Fifteen. Seven. Nine. Sixteen. Kelsar and MZ. This blast just whammied you. You take 22 points of damage as your minds are just reeling. The pain is intense. You can't think a structured thought. And every turn, you can make another intelligence saving throw to try to break through this and try to do something. But until you break out of it, you are stunned for at least one minute. And Ronnie, you're standing behind Borodon because you quickly ran behind him when he was going to go help Kelsar. And when this blast comes your way, you see this holy glow around Borodon as it hits him and this crackling energy around you as it goes to hit you and it just fizzles out. And looking at your companions, you see they are blinking hard and just trying to 
orient themselves. You then hear in your heads, Did you think your pathetic elder god would stop me? Did you think I would be stopped in my quest to destroy the heretic to feast on his brain? Yep. You are nothing. And then it goes to Ronnie. Uh, okay, so cure wounds. Who am I closer to? Kelsar. Kelsar? Okay, then I will heal Kelsar. Mm-hmm. Uh, 13. Oh, you're getting really good rolls today. <sighs> yeah, I know. It's just alternates. Like, next time, it's just gonna be fucking nothing. I'm wandering <laughs> all over the place and falling off these fucking horses. <laughs> <laughs> if it's one thing that Ronnie can do, it's navigate a haunted mansion. Uh, it's just as campy as he is, so it all worked out. So, Kelsar, you feel a little bit better, but you are still disoriented. You're still quite stunned, and your brain is still just mush. And we go to MZ. Four. Oh my god, you have no rolls today. No, your brain is still mush. You can't think worth a damn, and you're just doing your best to stand. It goes to Borodon. So I'm thinking about using this spirit guardian. So you call forth spirits to protect you. They flit around you to a distance of 15 feet for the duration, which is 10 minutes. If you're good or neutral, blah blah blah, spectral forms, appears angelic, Blah, blah, blah. When you cast a spell, you can designate any number of creatures you can see to be unaffected by it. An unaffected creature's speed is halved in the area, and when the creature enters the area for the first time on a turn or starts its turn here, it, it must make a saving, a wisdom saving throw. On a fail, failed save, the creature takes three. The 8 radiant damage. And on a successful save, the creature takes half as much. Yeah, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, what that will do is every time he starts his turn, he's going to take this radiant damage. As long as the spell goes. Like, every time? Yeah, as long as your spell is going, he's going to keep taking this damage each turn that he's there. Okay, so that's what I'll do then. What does your guardian look like? Yeah, I think I'll have... Not not my god, but like like the symbol of my god, you know, like that green stone, or yeah, or maybe the crest of my family. I think that would be cooler. Okay, yeah. So it suddenly appears as your family crest, and what does that look like? I sent you back at, like some time ago. I I thought it was like a a gemstone. Oh, the gemstone with the mountain behind it in the circle. Yeah, yeah. So your symbol appears. And the Elithid's eyes go a little wide, and you just hear, I see. And it goes to Kelsar. Make that intelligence saving throw. Oh, come on. Seven. You are still incapacitated. You are stunned as hell. So, Borodon, he needs to make a saving throw against your radiant damage? Yeah. He fails his saving throw. 14. So this beam shoots out of your symbol, and you see it sears half of his face, and some of his tentacles actually curl upwards because they've been charred, and he grabs onto MZ. And MZ, what's your dexterity modifier? 
plus three. So he goes and grabs onto MZ, and MZ's too dazed and confused. He can't defend himself. And you watch as his remaining tentacles go into MZ's mouth, his nose, his ears, his eyes, and they start pressing in. What's your remaining hit points? Uh, 18. Are you sure this isn't the anime episode there, Lucas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you guys see this bloodied up, mangled mind flare. Some of his tentacles, completely withered from the radiant damage, shoves his remaining ones inside MZ's head, and you watch as the top of his skull starts to show strain, and the brain is ripped right out of his body. And he consumes this brain with such vigor, and MZ's body just falls to the ground dead. How much damage did he take? He took 35 damage, but when it reduces you to zero health with that move and you're incapacitated like he was, it extracts your brain from your body, killing you. And you guys watch as this mind flare is consuming this brain and it has this blissful look on its face, not caring about anything at all. And it just looks so happy, so content, and it goes to Ronnie. Uh... This creature is just drunkenly weaving while he's eating this brain. I've done it. I've saved my people. <laughs> um... I don't really know. <laughs> and that was the time. They knew. They fucked up. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll... That's why I yelled. That's why I screamed. <laughs> Don't let it grab well, you. He, he did not grab me. That's for certain. <laughs> These things grapples are scary. And it could only do that when you're incapacitated. So I guess that's what the mind blast does. Yeah. it's exactly what it does. Alright, well, I guess I'll just try and stab it. And maybe we could just kill it and eat that brain and maybe medicine it back in or something. I don't know. <laughs> It's <laughs> <laughs> like a mason jar. Sure. <laughs> uh, 15. 15's a hit. Uh, 5. So you cut this thing and it doesn't even seem to care. You just hear, <laughs> I've won. And it goes to Borodon. Okay, so Ronnie's clearly dead, right? Ronnie's fine. MZ is... Yeah, he's toast. MZ, MZ, yeah. Yeah, and you see MZ's symbol is lit up, and you hear this squishing sound starting to come from him. Okay, so what I'll do... Oh, is he gonna replace his brain with a sword? He's gonna have a sword brain? (laughs) (laughs) No. So what I'll do is... I will try to revert time right before the start of this like this may go very wrong oh before we go in the thing yeah yeah but at least now we know so you want to revert Enzi's death yep right right before like the whole blast I, I think right before we actually entered the room okay this is gonna be a real hard check Letting you know. Roll to reverse time. Okay, so I got a 13, which uh, sucked. Borodon, 
you hold your hands forward and you start feeling the power flow through you, your symbol lights up. You can hear the sound of ticking clocks. And as you reach forward to grab onto MZ, you suddenly feel a wave of energy go through you. Something's not right. Things are moving faster. Everyone's moving faster. And you see as you yourself age forward 23 years of age. Shit. This doesn't even make any sense. It wasn't a a one. No. If it was a one, things would have been a lot worse. And from Borodon, it goes to Kelsar. Thirteen. Feel the effects slip away from your mind. (sighs) You... You bastard. I'm gonna kill you for this! Twenty-one. Eight, eleven, fourteen. It'll die from your hit. So you slice this creature's head off. Clean off its body. This was frenzy! This creature just collapses to the ground. It doesn't even bleed because your blade cauterized the wounds. And MZ's body is now slowly getting covered in this sack as his symbol is just lit up bright. This whole area has a yellow light just pouring all over it. I wanted to cast Revivify on him. So did he die in, in between like because there is like this one minute re- like window that I can cast Revivify on him. I don't know if that would work. Technically, when his symbol lights up like that after he died, it essentially put him in a state of life support. Okay. So it doesn't want its host okay. to die. It's instead feeding off his soul and creating this flesh mm-hmm. sack to regenerate the pieces that are missing. MZ, while you're in this chrysalis, all you see is black. All around you is this empty nothingness. You feel your feet are standing on something solid, but looking around, it's just blackness for as long as you could see. And you look and suddenly there's truth, standing there in white robes and a pallid mask, staring at you quizzically. You hear echoing across this chasm, MZ. You've passed. Do you know how you died? Um, because a mind flare killed me? You are not strong enough. You must get stronger. What can we give to you to strengthen your abilities? What is it you seek to do with your blood? I'd like to be able to control them better and manipulate them in ways that I want. Last time I tried to use my powers, Well, manipulate my powers, it didn't go very well. You would like to control your blood to fire out of different parts of your body? Yeah, I'd like to be able to control it however I want to control it. And what mental capacity from your soul are you willing to sacrifice for that? None. A part of your soul is being consumed as we speak to rebuild your brain and skull. It isn't a choice of none or all, it is a choice of which one. Fuck, I don't know. Take intelligence, we never use it. Hang on a sec. Yeah, hang on a sec. Um... Fuck. The reason this is happening is because your soul's being consumed, but with the parasite blending in more with your body, that's allowing it to 
make you more in tune with your powers, and that's why you gain an additional benefit to your abilities. I guess intelligence, then. So, MZ, you look over at Truth and say this, and Truth solemnly nods as you feel this intense pain. You look down, this symbol is crawling up your left arm. It makes it all the way up to your shoulder, and it burns. And you look as the veins in your body start slowly glowing up to a light blue as the magic just courses through your body and your blades are now considered magic weapons. And as this pain of being reborn just shoots through your entire body, this cocoon splits open and all of you see as MZ emerges gasping for breath. And you see he's just disoriented. His veins are all glowing blue. You see he's trying to blink as if, like, the even the darkness, like, the little bit of light coming from your guys' symbols and items around are just too much for him. And as he slowly begins to sit up and stare at you guys, you all see that his symbol has crawled all the way up to his shoulder. something there was no travelers. Often in our least expected moments, death strikes. And in these kind of moments, it, it's interesting to see what everybody decides to do. How they band together, how they are there for one another. I wonder how Death Shift will take this moving forward, if this will make them more cautious or if it'll make them afraid. Facing a mind flare is no easy feat, but now, with officially the death counter up by one for old Emsy, they're staring at the reality of the situation. This war, these creatures, are deadly, and they could die at any moment. Well, travelers, it has been fun, and remember, if you ever feel like grabbing any knickknacks and treating yourself, maybe you want a new dice tray because Rolling on that table is just not good for your dice or your table. Why don't you pop on over to easyrolladicecompany.com and grab yourself something good. You deserve it. Oh, man, this has been heavy. It's been real heavy. I do hope MZ's alright. The travelers, I must get going. I bid you all adieu. Uh, who left all the red stuff everywhere? Get a broom! <laughs>